wonderful to belong to someone. That we're just not isolated to our own selves. That's right in harmony with what I'm going to be approaching this evening. This weekend, we're, I don't know just how the Lord's going to lead the service. We've got a real busy time. We have Brother Tony and Sister Rebecca arrive tomorrow. They were going to come back this morning, but they weren't able to change their tickets. So they're coming on tomorrow. Brother Murphy and his wife come back on Friday. And Brother Mustafa from Turkey, who has the radio station there, and his sister are coming also tomorrow. And so this coming weekend, we just want the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And there's nothing that is uh, can take precedent over the Word. The Word is supreme. We love the Word. We're children of the Word. We're not interested so much in program as we are in having the Word revealed to us. That's the greatest thing that we can have. Just happy to have each one of you here. Without you, we wouldn't be having a, a service at all. So we're so thankful. Nice to have our brother Aaron McGrary here. God bless you. Uh, just got the note just before the service that you are here. Thank you. Nice to have you. Maybe just before we read the scripture, perhaps not so much for you, but for me, our brother Derek just leads a wonderful song service, as do our other song leaders, of course. But I, I, sometimes I like to just sing something that quietens my own spirit just before we come to the Word. It's always a nervous time. People say, well, don't you get... Uh, oh, it's just, just second nature to you, Brother Ed. Oh, yeah. You just want to do it once. <laughs> and after you do it a thousand times, it'll be still the same. Just a nervous time because if it's not, then I don't think you're doing it right. You know, it just wants to be a, you just want to be able to say what God would have said. Amen. Uh, I'd like to just sing that worthy. Hear the cries. I've, I've come to love that song because I was one of those. I was shackled, but I heard the voice. Amen. Hallelujah. And he is worthy. He's worthy of everything that we can just give of ourselves to him today.
precious, loving Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, deliverer, healer, Savior of our souls, and lover of our souls. Oh, Lord God, we are coming today, this evening, at the gathering time that you have allotted for us to gather here to feed upon the body word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man revealed. Lord, I pray that you'll break the bread as you did to the those walking on the way to Emmaus. And you entered into their dwelling place. Come, Lord, here into the place where we worship. And here, Lord, break the bread, I pray. Oh, Lord, be made known to us in the way that you break the bread. I pray, Father, that you will take, and even as you did, Lord Jesus, at the Last Supper, how you broke it and you distributed it to your disciples, distribute it again this evening, Lord. We've gathered here not to be idle. We've gathered here not to see one another. We've not gathered here to hear something new, but we've gathered here that we might worship and glorify your name and thank you once again for the mighty deliverance that there was not enough devils in hell to hold us chained and in our shackles, but you came and delivered us and we'll raise our voices and give you thanksgiving this evening. Lord, I pray you will receive it. I know that you will. Be lifted up. Be exalted amongst us. Let nothing hinder, O oh God, the moving of your faithful Holy Spirit. Have the preeminence, have the preeminence, we pray. Take every heart, Lord, and let it be soft and tender before you. We walk, O oh God, softly before you. Take now, Lord, your word, and I pray that you will anoint me, O oh God, to speak and anoint the people to hear. In the name of Jesus Christ. We ask it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read out of Exodus. If you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles. And I will say while you're turning, it's nice to have our brother Ryerson here. Yet he leaves tomorrow. And I thought I would give him a, a little bit of a rest. It's always a pressure to be preaching. And so... Out of compassion, I let him take <laughs> knowing what it's like. Exodus, the 19th chapter. Uh, we'll begin to read at the third verse. And down through eight. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people of all the earth, uh, above all the peop all people, for all the earth is mine. 
And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. May God bless his word as you have your seats. I would like to, I don't know if I can uh, conclude this evening, and I'm sure not. So, Lord willing, I will continue on Sunday. If, if that's the way the Lord directs the services to go, I would like to. I want to speak on something I've been pondering for quite a few weeks now. I'd like to speak on the subject of the institution of the congregation. I want you to think about that for a moment. The institution of the congregation. Uh, an institution is something that has been established or an, an established order or a corporate body. And it has, a, has a, quite an array of meanings. And, but we're not just interested in its meaning. We're interested in how it applies. So he, 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 told, the, he told Moses here, uh, he said that you'll be a peculiar people. You'll be a kingdom of priests. You'll be uh, a, a holy nation. Now, there was a time, I'm just, I'm wanting to just lay this foundation slowly. There was a time when the children of Israel were not even the children of Israel, and they were not a peculiar people. And they were not a holy nation, and they were not a kingdom of priests. Now, uh, a, a kingdom is a domain. It is a sovereignty of reign. It is a, a, a realm, and it comes from a, a root word which declares it to be a not only a dominion, but to become a king or a queen. He says, now if you follow my words and hear my covenants, you will be unto me a kingdom, a, a holy kingdom, a righteous kingdom. You'll be that. And But furthermore, if they would become a holy kingdom, that would make God the king. You see? So it would make him the king, and if he become a king, there's a possibility that she'd become the queen. That's really what he's saying. You will be this if you follow, if you follow this word. I just want to introduce that. And you'll be a nation or a people, because they were descendants of Abraham. And uh, uh, a nation does not indicate uh, one person or one household. But the, even the word in the Hebrew is, it's like a swarm. You'll be a mass. There'll be a, a, a countless number if you follow my word. Now, 
And then he addressed them as the children of Israel. You'll see where I'm going in just a couple of minutes. He addressed them as the children of Israel. Now, now there, you'll find if you were doing a search in the Bible, you'll find that there's always a first time. There's a first time he calls them the children of Israel. Then there's a first time he'll say, you'll be a holy nation. There's a first time. He didn't, he didn't say that back in Genesis. But now he's saying it in Exodus. Brother Branham says that when he, you know, he sent a prophet, and under a prophet he was able to call a nation out of a nation. But he wasn't able to do that earlier, but he did it then. He called a nation out of a nation. So there had to be an appointed time that he could do that. Now, I found it very, very interesting. The first time that God refers to them, his people, as the congregation of Israel. The first time was in Exodus 12 at the killing of the Passover lamb. You will speak to the congregation of Israel. And the congregation now is something a little bit different. It is a, it's, it's a gathering. Now, you're, now I'm gathering the people and the word congregation is that it is from to be a witness. Now God is identifying them. You're coming now. You're going to be, you're going to have redemption by blood. And you are going to be a witness to me in the earth. Hadn't said that earlier. Now you're going to be a congregation of, of, uh, of, of Israel. And you're going to be a testimony you're going to, and that it also comes from another root word, which is to return, to restore, to bear witness, to testify, or to say again and again and again. You're going to be a people that's going to be a testimony to me in the earth, and you'll be a testimony from one generation to the next one. You'll say it again and again. It'll be the same thing. You'll be a testimony all the time. You'll be a testimony. You're going to say it again and again. That's a witness. When they get a witness in a courtroom, one of the things they try to do is try to see, find out if they can get that witness to say something different. When we were uh, arrested, that was one of the first things. I caught it right away. It said, what's your name? How old are you? When were you born? Well, if I, if I said my age and then the time I was born didn't match with my age, they would catch. And the reason why they were saying, they were asking, interrogating all five in different rooms separating us all they wanted to find out if we'd all say the same thing and I thank God that's what they found out that was one of the most profound testimonies to them all these people said the same thing brother Branham said to Billy Paul always tell the truth that way you can tell it the same every time you tell it again and again and again oh I love a testimony a testimony of a believer a testimony that's being lived out. It's the same today. It's the same when I'm 15. Brother Branham says, I preach the same when I was just a young preacher. Preach the same thing. Because he was saying the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. You're a testimony. And that's wonderful to have the same testimony. Amen. And bringing out a people out of, 
Egypt was even a, a type of the resurrection. Now, a family, I just gave that as a real quick introduction. A family is a multi-membered group of individuals that are tied together through an arrangement that God ordained. None of us here selected the family we'd be born into. None of us were asked ahead of time what, where we wanted to be born, what kind of a family we wanted to be born in, what color we would be, or the color of our hair, the color of our eyes, or how we would look. And, if we, and, and uh, the whole cosmetic industry today proves that a lot of folks aren't very satisfied with how they were born or what they looked like. They're all busy changing it. It's true. It's a huge industry. Now the Bible says this. And the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. There was no group. There was no family. There was no clan. There was no tribe. There was nothing. Just man by himself and God had made him in his image and then he says it's not good God speaking now and the Lord God said it's not good that the man should be alone I will make him and help meet for him now we're going to go in some strange direction it's not good for a man and God wasn't just referring now to a human mate, but he said, I will make him a helpmate. But it's not good for the man to be alone. In other words, it's not good for a man to be apart, just apart. It's, alone was, it's not good for the separation. It's not good being alone. It's not good to be just apart. It's not good to be by itself. And coming from another word, I won't bother giving you these words, the Hebrew words. It's not good to withdraw. It's not good to be separate. It's not good to be isolated. And God was speaking something out of his own mind. He was expressing something. And so he says, I... I'll make him a helpmate, and from that branch, from that rib, from that part which he took from Adam, I'll make him a helpmate, and from that branch came the fruit of his own body. The fruit of his own body came out on that branch called Eve, and now they had a family. God was saying it's not good that he be alone because when God said that, he had other members. He had another structure in his mind. When God saved you, he had another structure in his mind than just seeing you as an isolated person, a single part by itself. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the human relationship so much at this point. And so he said to Adam that you will multiply 
and increase. You'll multiply. You'll become great. You'll become many. You'll become numerous. You'll increase greatly because when God made them, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God made him and he was a single unit. And then God looking at that single unit, describing out of his own, what his own thoughts were. It's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for him to just be apart. There's something else that must be added. There's something else that must come forth from him. He's a, he's a God of the earth and the God of the universe was expressing himself. And so he's going to multiply. He's going to increase. As we said uh, concerning uh, a nation as a swarm won't be one, but will be many, become many. And so when God spoke of uh, multiplying, he did not have in his mind kind of just some loose mass of humanity drifting about aimlessly. You understand? He had, God had a structure in his mind. He had something in his mind. And so out of that structure then started to come individuals. But the individuals were, were knit. They were tied together. They were tied together by, by a, a family unit. And then the family units, there, another family that expanded, it became an extended family. And that became tribes or clans. And then the tribes, as they got larger, that's where the cities and towns or villages, that's where they begin, they begin to, you know, trade with one another, etc., etc. But there were groups, and then they became identifiable as they, this one came from this lineage, that one came from another lineage, and so on. But God had in his mind that they would, uh, that they would be uh, increasing into a certain structure. Now, we could say... And I'm going to keep using this phrase, it's not good for man to be alone. Then God calls one man, Abram. He calls Abram, and when he called him, he had something further in his mind than just Abram. When he called him, even already it was in God's mind, it's not good for this man to be alone. In other words, the man is only a part He's not a complete unit. He had Sarah, his wife, but still, it, 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 so I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that union. I'm not talking about marriage. not talking about man and his wife. I'm talking about man as God saw him. He's not complete. And so he said, I'm going to give you a son. And still, that's not the complete thought in the mind of God. He said, and I'm going to make you a father of nations. You're going to be a part, and out of you is going to come kings in, in the mind of God. He had a structure. There's going to be nations come out of you. There's going to be kings come out of you. You're going to be connected. You're going to be connected on, uh, uh, on a larger scale. I'm going to connect you. Because God is actually expressing something spiritual. 
Now, in the spiritual realm, in other words, he could be saying to him, it's not good that you're alone. What, what needs to happen? He could have said it to, out, of, out from Isaac came Jacob. And out of Jacob came the patriarchs. He could have said to Jacob, it's not good that you're alone. Because God was building a nation. He was building a group of people. It's not good that you're alone. So here comes forth Reuben, and here comes forth Gad, and here comes forth uh, all of the all of the twelve patriarchs coming out of Jacob, because this was a foundation. You see, so he could have he could have been saying to Abraham, Abraham also, it's not good that you're alone. You've got to be connected in another way. You've got to be connected as a foundation stone for a whole redemptive plan. Because you are a part of that, but in order to be a part, you've got to be connected to another part. You must be connected. And this was ordained of God. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, they all must be a part. And then out from the patriarchs, well, of course, there's, you know, we don't want to even begin to try to get into their history. There were good people, bad people, all the rest of it. But God had something in his mind, and he's moving forward to that ultimate objective. And he's structuring and bringing forth. And finally, he, he tells Abraham, your people are going to be in bondage. I'm, they're going to be in bondage for 400 years. And after 400 years, I'm going to bring them out with a mighty hand. And now he brings his people out. And, uh, and now he begins, to, he begins to identify them as something different. It's not just a, a single man now. It's not just Abraham, one man. Now he's dealing with a whole group of people. And he changed, he changed Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel because he prevailed in a wrestling with the angel. And he said, I'm going to call you Israel because you, you prevailed. And Israel is a, to prevail. You're prevailing. And all of these uh, were identifying the, the group of people, and now these people aren't called the children of Jacob. They're called the children of Israel. So there come a time when he call them, you're the children of Israel now because I've structured this to an advanced stage. And you will be to me a people, you'll be a kingdom, a holy kingdom. You'll be a nation of priests to me. You'll be, if you follow this word, this is what you're going to be. If you follow my covenant, if you live according to my word, you're going to, you're going to become something else. You're not just going to be, remain, uh, uh, you know, as a loosely knit group of people of a nation of the earth. You're going to be something else. In other words, you're going to be a congregation. You're going to be a testimony unto me. And, and regardless, and when he said that, he, he called them the children of, the children of Israel. And he called them the congregation. 
the congregation of Israel because he was now declaring this, this has come to another stage. You're going to be a testimony. You're going to be a witness. I'm not asking if you want to be. I'm telling you you're going to be because I've called you this. I've given you this name. I've given you this title because you now, you have been, you're developed to another state. This wasn't by their choosing. They didn't fall on their face and pray that they could be this kind of a testimony. God said, you're going to be this testimony. And he was saying, you're going to say it again and again and again. You're going to be a glory to the, to, to, to the God of Israel. And they failed God, and they went into bondage, and they sinned, and they had other idols, and all the rest of it. But God did not forsake them. He always brought them back because he told them, you will be the congregation. You will be the witness. You will be the testimony under my name. Even though they disgraced the name, he would not abandon them as their, as his fa- as their father. I am your father. And they were his family. But the family had developed to another state. And God is saying all the way along, if you can catch my thought, God is saying, it's not good for man to be alone. I've got to have a family. And more than a family, I've got to have a family that's a witness. I've got to have a family that testifies of who I am. I've got to have a congregation that will be a witness unto me. And I'm going to have that. That's what God was saying. Just speaking on a human level, Brother Branham, in the message of law or grace, he just made the statement. He said, I die freely for my children, and any other father would. That's a tremendous thing. You got your children beside you tonight. The prophet of God said, I would die freely for my children. And he was talking about when the children of Israel were calling for the blood of Jesus Christ. He said they were actually calling for the blood of their own father. And he did. He freely died for his own children. Now as time moves on, and as natural parents... We will never know those that come out from us. You might have, and I can tell you that, you know, you have children in the natural lineage. You have children, and then you have grandchildren, and such as we're experiencing now, and then you have great-grandchildren. And if you live long enough, you'd have great-great-grandchildren. But you, but, but the, the, uh, the, the little circle when we were five in the home and we're always at the table and always exchanging all the activities of the day and all the things that were taking place that was morning, noon and night you're always having that well then there comes a time when that doesn't happen anymore all the events are happening at other tables and you're sitting there looking at each other and hope you have something constructive to say Sometimes you have to invent something. <laughs> and then finally, you know, it goes further apart and drifts a little bit further because the thing is, uh, it, it, it's, you know, the, what shall I say, the orbit, it, it's becoming 
more, I won't say elliptical, but it's just, it's spreading out. You know, a little sphere is spreading out. And uh, we used to have the grandchildren around all the time, but, but finally, you know, they grew up and they have their own family, so they don't come around so often. And it just spreads out a little bit further. And you find that now each of them, you know, they're occupied with their own little circle, their own little cycle. And you realize one day you're not going to, you know, have that kind of intimate relationship because everybody's busy. Everybody's occupied. And the, and the sphere is just spreading out and getting further and further. And then, of course, you know, one day, uh, according just to the natural uh, turn of events, you, you drop over into the, into the grave and uh, you don't know who comes on. You'll come Sunday morning to hear the rest of it, won't you? God, now Chronicles uh, 17, 1 Chronicles 17 in the seals, this is where Brother Branham takes this for the dedication. But listen now. Now therefore thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, God sending the prophet Nathan to him. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee, one person, I took you from the sheep coat. Even from following the sheep, you're just a little stripling, following the sheep, that thou shouldest be a ruler over my people. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked, and I have cut off all thine enemies from before thee and have made thee a name like the name of great men that are in the earth. Also, I will, read, I will ordain a place for my people Israel. Now he's saying, I'm, I, I picked you out of the sheep coat. I just took you and you're a young fellow, just a stripling, and you were just following the sheep. But that's not what God had in his mind, what he had in his mind. I'm gonna, I want you to have a position over my people, over this group of people. And I will ordain a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and they shall dwell in their plural place, and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of the wickedness waste them any more as at the beginning. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, moreover, I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee a house. David wanted to build a house for the Lord. So I'm going to build you a house. Now listen to this next verse. And it shall come to pass when thy days are expired, when your days come up and you're gone, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed. Now he's telling him, when you're gone, you won't know anything about this, but I'm going to raise up your seed after you, and which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. So he's enlightening David after you're gone. Otherwise, David wouldn't know anything about it. The day would come... You might want to know what's going to happen with this message. Well, if time would go on, you know, we'll all, uh, uh, we'll all find our place. Some, 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 we're looking for a rapture, but I'm just talking about as it was, as it has been in, recorded in time. We'd all find our place in some cemetery, and we wouldn't know what's going on. What happened to that church? What happened to this group? of? What happened to my family? Where are they? We wouldn't know anything about it. 
And he's telling David, you and your days are expired and you're gone. But I'm going to raise up, he's telling him, he's giving him some insight. I'm going to raise up your sons and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build me a house. In other words, what I wouldn't let you to do, he's going to build me a house and I will establish his throne forever. Job, he said, of, him, of his life, he said, his sons come to honor and he knoweth it not. His sons, they, they, they make a mark in the world, but he doesn't know anything. He said, I won't know anything about it. And they are, they are brought low, but he perceiveth it not of them. There are, some of them are raised to honor, and others are become low. Some succeed, some fail. But he doesn't know anything about it, because he's gone. He's expired. So an earthly father, as an earthly father, they were conscious that they didn't... They, 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 they were not aware of everything that was taking place. But that is not God. God is conscious of everything that shall unfold as time goes on. And God is not complete without this continual unfolding. I want you to know that this is not some accidental thing that's taking place. God is actually, I keep using this phrase... God would not be complete unless this thing continued to unfold. Unless there was one thing added to another. One spiritual experience added to another. God's not complete without it. Because when God said, man shall not be alone, it's not good for him to just be apart. It's not good for him to be isolated. It's not good. In other words, there must be things that are added and added and added for the man to be complete. And I'll give him a helpmeet. And out of the helpmeet came a, a, a son and came daughters. And out of that came a family. And from that came tribes. And from that maybe came clans. And from that came nations. And then he selected one of the nations. And because now you will be my people. This has all been in the mind of God. God was saying, it's not good for me. And even when he had Adam, he still was, it's not good to be alone. Adam's got to have something else. So he made Eve. And even when he had Eve, it's not good for me to be the way I am. I'm still isolated. I'm still incomplete. I still haven't got what I got in my mind. I have attributes in my mind. I've got thoughts in my mind. And it's not good if I don't have everything that fulfilled the way I have it pictured in my mind. And out of them came a nation. And God's still out of that nation. It's not good for me to be alone. This nation has to be a special kind of a nation. This people has to be led by a prophet. And he gets a prophet and he's still feeling incomplete. He's still feeling it's not, it's not fulfilled yet. This people have to be a testimony. And so when he finally comes to the shedding of the blood, he said, now I'll call you the congregation of Israel. This is taking a different color. This is taking a different, uh, a different facet. This is going to be something different now. I'm going to call you a congregation of Israel because there's going to be blood shed. And you'll be a witness. You'll be a nation that'll be identified with blood. You'll be a nation identified with sacrifice. You're going to be something different than you have been. Hallelujah. Brother Brown says, in the beginning, 
What a message. What a messenger. We have in the beginning that God dwelled alone with his thoughts, with his attributes. Listen closely now. He was in the beginning by himself. It's not good that man should be alone. He was by himself. God dwelled alone with his thoughts. But it's not good for him just to be apart. You say, well, he was, he, he, he was God Almighty. He's absolutely complete. I can tell you that God wouldn't have even commenced a creation if he was complete. It took something further. I can't comprehend how an eternal God could take 6,000. 6,000 years isn't even a hiccup. I don't understand how the eternal God, what was happening for the other billions and billions and billions of years because he had no beginning and no end. I, I can't grasp that. But, at the, but, but, but somehow God began, he began to uh, commence something. And out of his mind, he was alone. Prophet said he was alone with his thoughts. And he brings forth one like him. And he, he, this one that's like him. And God says, it's not good for you to be alone. Something has to come out. Something has to come forth from you. Hallelujah. You must bring something forth. And, I, and, and so I have to give you a helpmate. You've got to have a womb for your seed. And something has to come forth. And out of that womb will come a branch. Branches uh, will spread out. And you'll have a family. And that'll be a unit. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my family. They sit at my table. These are mine. I'll give my life for them, as the prophet said. I'd run out in the yard and die for them in an instant. They're mine. They come fruit of my body. See? And then they move out. And then they're united to their own. And then it moves out. And the circle gets larger. But, and for us as poor humans, we, well, we, we would like to be able to see. And Job says, ah... Man, his sons rise up. And he doesn't know anything about it. He's, he's melancholy. He's sad that he has to leave. Man dies. And he's gone. And his sons become great people. He doesn't know anything about it. Others fail. And are a failure. He doesn't know anything about it. He's gone. God realized that. So he says to David, you're going to expire. Your days are going to end. But after you're gone, your sons will rise up. And out of them, he didn't just say, they're going to be a basket case. He didn't just say, they're going to be some loose knit of wanders or nomads over here on the hills. He says, no, they're going to, I'm going to raise them up and there's going to be a kingdom. And I'm going to establish a kingdom. He's telling his friend, I'm going to establish a kingdom. And that kingdom's going to be forever. And furthermore, you want to build a house. I won't let you build a house. But your son is going to build me a house. And all there is in life, realizing my son is going to build God a house. God told me so. What is God expressing? It's not good. To be alone, there has to be another part. He doesn't just want a family. He wants a family that becomes a nation. He doesn't just want a nation. He says it's going to be a holy nation. This isn't going to be just a people. It's going to be a peculiar people. Because that's what I got in my mind. 
It's not good for me to be alone. Uh, I got to have a holy people. I got to have a peculiar people. And furthermore, oh, this people is going to be, oh, they're going to be a congregation. They're going to be a testimony. They're going to be a witness unto me. And they're going to say the same thing from one generation to the next, to the next. It'll be unchanging because I'm unchanging. They're going to be unchanging. Not good for me to be alone. That's what I have in my mind. It has to, it has to come to fruition. Are you following me now? Brother Bram said he was alone. He said, listen to this very closely. I tell you what, it's a staggering statement. When you try to put this in perspective with eternity that has no beginning and no end. He was in the beginning by himself. God dwelt alone with his thoughts. You've heard it before. Hang tight. He'll never do that again. He'll never do that again. He can never be alone again. Never be alone again. One man standing here on earth, a little human being, a little Kentuckian with only a, a, a seventh grade education, but the mind of God flowing through that vessel and being able to peer into the eternity and say he was alone with the thought, but he'll never be alone again. He was alone. He'll never be alone again. Why? One of the reasons is because you're here. Because his thoughts are being manifested. And you know why you're here? Because he said, it's not good for man. It's not good for me to be alone. And had he been completely fulfilled he, without this generation, then he'd have shut things off before now. But he, he couldn't be fulfilled until you came along. And now today I bring it down this evening, down to a simple truth. He, he could not be complete without each elected child of his. He says, it's not good for me to be alone. In other words, it's not good for me just to be a part. And if there's a part missing, then he cannot be fulfilled. And if you are a part, he had to have you. He has to have you as a part. How could he be God and say, but there's a part missing. There's a part. I had, I had a thought. I had an attribute in my mind. Oh, there's a certain, just had a certain sound. It's just a certain something. But I had it in my thoughts. He couldn't be complete unless that came on the scene. He said he'll never be that again because his thoughts are being made manifest. Listen, please, listen closely. He'll never be alone again because his thoughts are being made manifest. And that's why we are right here this day. You didn't come just to fill in fact, as I'll say, whatever place you're filling in this earthly life is very, very minuscule. That's just to give you bread to eat and a place to lay your head. But that doesn't got a whole lot of importance with God. That's why Jesus said, take no thought of these things. 
take no thought of them. It's relatively insignificant. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference with God. But you came, you came to be a testimony, to be a witness of the same thing. And so it had to be the same. It had to be blood. They came by blood. That first congregation came by blood. This one has to come by blood. Each individual, each man had to have a lamb for his own household. I have to have the blood. Oh my. I hope you're catching what I'm saying. I have to come and I have to manifest. I am giving testimony that God will never ever be alone again because I'm part of those manifested thoughts if you believe that you are have been purchased by the blood of God through Jesus Christ and been sealed by the Holy Spirit then you're standing or sitting here tonight as a testimony that I'm here to manifest that God shall never be alone again but now you're not just a a single unit and this will take on new meaning right now. I'd like to, I'd like to have saved it, but I'll just, I'll just touch on it. That's what Brother Branham said. When Israel was called out, then they became church because Ecclesia is called out. Now, it, 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 if he just called out, say, Jonathan here, called out John, he couldn't call him church because the church is many-membered body. See, he couldn't say Ecclesia for just one. So he called Abram, called him out. But that wasn't just what was in God's mind. So God stayed with him. God worked with him. God encouraged him. God gave covenant to him. God confirmed the covenant. God kept on. Why? Because he's, he's expressing what's in himself. It's not good that I'll be alone. He's going to give him a wife. She's going to doubt. They're going to have Hagar. Going to have That can't change the plan. Still got to have a son. Going to have a son by this woman. One year, two years, 25 years. Here comes the son. That's not enough because God is incomplete. God's just a part. That son has to have another son. Has to have another son. And then uh, Jacob comes. He's got have 12 because there's got to be a foundation hallelujah got to be a foundation because in God's mind I got a people in my mind I got a nation in my mind and then they're going to come and call them a, a congregation of Israel now I change your name it's not going to be Jacob going to call you Israel out of you is going to come a bunch of children and so one day in his mind I'm going to call them the children of Israel I'm going to call them that at the very night they're going to shed blood because they're going to be a testimony unto me Hallelujah, you're going to be a specific type of people. You're going to be a blood-bought people. Hallelujah. And I'm going to purchase them at the expense of death coming on the land. I'm going to destroy Egypt. I'm going to bring Egypt to dust and ashes for this people called the children of Israel. Now I have a prophet. Prophet coming this generation. Revealing the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. He says, I'll not call you church anymore. You're not just an ecclesia. You're not just called out of all these denominations. But now we've come to another stage. I'm going to call you bride. I'm going to give you a different signification. 
I'm going to give you a different identification. I've heard a lot of people just use that just loosely. I'm not going to call you church anymore. I'm going to call you bride. And that's, that's about all it means, I guess. But now God is saying something different. This group of people I had in my mind, even on the day of Pentecost... There was a group of people, they were, they were separated. And they became sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, and the church, now it became birthed as a church. And Jesus said, upon this rock of revelation, I'll build my church. I'm going to build out, build the ecclesia. I'm going to build them. And so he began to build them. But it wasn't enough out of the first church age messenger or the second as it began to take shape and as they suffered as the 68 million were slain as martyrs what is it god is saying in his mind oh but it's not enough it's not everything i have in my mind it this can't come to a conclusion yet this is a great event but it can't come to an end yet i have more in my mind i have more attributes i have more thoughts i've got something else in my mind I'm still only just a part. I feel isolated without them. Hallelujah. And then the last messenger come. I hope you get me. And there come a prophet voice. It's a voice of God to the people. And he's trying to say to a deaf people. I would say a dumb people. A blind people. He's trying to call them out. And he shows and manifests the very, the very nature of God, the very humility of Jesus Christ, the very power of God, and the very life of God, resurrecting the dead and all manner of things as a sign to the people. But eyes they have and they see not, ears they have and they hear not. And he comes to a blind Laodicea generation, my brother, my sister. I hope you're understanding me. But God is screaming out, even in this day, it's not good for man to be alone. I've had a Pentecost. I've had a Reformation. I've had 68 million martyrs. I've had tremendous sacrifice. But it's not good for man to be alone. There must come a different signification. There must come a different, a different level. There must come a bride out of this thing. And let me tell you, my brother, my sister, the authority of God's word, out of this mess of Laodicea, God's going to have a spotless bride. He said it, and he's the one who's obligated to do it. It has nothing to do whether you and I can achieve it. He's going to achieve it. And that bride comes walking down. She's not going to say, well, bless God, I sure worked hard to get, get here where I'm at. She's going to say, it's grace. He's the one who's worthy. You could do nothing for it. He said it. You could do no more for it. Then Eve had to do, when she walked up to Adam, she could say, boy, was that ever an achievement. She didn't have a thing to do with it. God made her, God created her, and, and God gave her part of her husband's body and his spirit. And the Bible says, he brought the woman to the man. She could not say, I'm glad I had this idea. I'm glad I came. I'm glad I accepted Adam. She had nothing to do with accepting Adam. I mean her author, her maker, her creator brought her to him. Because he's the one who said it's not good for him to be alone. It isn't what you did. It's what he has already done. It isn't what you promised. It's according to his covenant. 
And you came because God said you must come. Hallelujah. You came because he said it's not good for man to be alone. Expressing something out of his own bosom. Out of his own soul. Out of his own being. I'll tell you what. If you think for a minute that God is just so complete he doesn't need another thing, then for sure you and I are destined for hell. Because what would we be? We, 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 we would be an obstacle in heaven. If God had never thought of us and we appear there, he says, Who are you? What are you doing here? No say. His, by his, that's why Brother Branham said, if you hear someone singing over there, he'll be singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once I was lost, and now I'm found. Hallelujah! Once I was blind, but now I see. That's grace, grace, grace. And only grace. Children of Israel, children of the witness, children of the congregation failed miserably time and again but God's program could never be diverted it could not be thwarted it could not be circumvented I'm only telling you this because that's the truth of God's word just give me another few moments in questions and answers he says the word death means separated now physically we separate from our physical sight because that's still sin but our spirit is of God and that can never be separated from God because we are a part of God I want you to notice now we are brought back into that thought of God we're brought back into that thought of God If we're in the program of God this evening, just now, and if we feel or believe that the Holy Spirit has directed our footsteps, and we walked into the sanctuary this evening because time permitted it, our jobs permitted it, whatever, but we walked into here this evening, if we are of God, Back in the eternities, God, in his mind, thought of us, didn't just see us here, that's not sufficient, but thought of us sitting here. Thought of us, when he thought of you sitting here, he thought of me sitting where I sit. Now I have to take this poor, uh, wearied mind, and I have to impress it impress it I have to take maybe just a short phrase I want him to speak of me I want the people to grasp something of my own being something of my own craving something of my own yearning something of my own desire because he said his thoughts was his desires brother Branham said his thoughts was his desires so in his thought I'll inspire him and he'll say it's not good. It's not pleasant. It's not complete that the man is by himself. 
He must tell them that I am incomplete without them. And that is why there will be such rejoicing and such a bursting forth of exuberance when every last one, not of, not of his children merely, but of his thoughts come back. And we are here tonight because we've come into his thoughts. We've come into his thoughts. And because his thoughts are being manifested, that is the evidence he can say, I'll never be alone again. Hallelujah. I'll never be alone again. We are brought back into that thought of God. Everything that God does is perfect and eternal. And when God's very thoughts went out for a kingdom of people, his thoughts went out for a kingdom of people. His thought went out for a kingdom. Not because you're slow, but because I want to really... His thought went out for a kingdom. So when his thought went out for a kingdom, he called one man. Abram, leave your kindred and come to a place that I'll show you. And a man starts. But because his thought was for a kingdom, he's still alone. says, this isn't what... This isn't what I had in mind, in other words. I just got a, a man. And, but the man is going to be a father of faith. He's going to be that. I'm going to cause him to be that. I'm going to lead him. I'm going to shepherd him. Brother Brandon, he talks, he talks as, a, as a father. How he, the children, his children, the children of Israel. said how he just hovered over them while they were in Egypt. And they were in slavery. But he hovered over them. Then when they came out into the wilderness, he cared for them and clothed them and gave them water and gave them food why because he's a father he's caring for them but that wasn't his complete thought he had to bring them out he had to bring them into their own land he had to make a nation out of them that he could set forth in the earth and here the here israel is today i mean the people of the world i heard them interview some of the young people even in israel they interviewed him and said why why are the jews thought of the way that they are and the first young woman she was probably 20 21 22 might have been 18 she said because we're god's people i thought and interviewed three and two of them said we are different because we're god's people Hallelujah! Somebody has a revelation. We're different because we're God's people. That's why. Oh my. You say, we're not different because we're message believers. We're different because we're God's people. And God sent a message to cause us to realize we're His people. I hope you're getting it. I hope it's sinking down deep. I'm going to conclude in just a few moments. So it's not good. To be alone, I'll make him a helpmate. I'll make him one so that he will not be separate. He will not be alone. Now, I'm just going to touch on this and then I'm going to close. When he said, and the scripture which I read in the text... Just follow it, please. Now you've got the whole, my whole thought 
that I labored on this evening. So he said, you'll be a kingdom. You'll be a domain for me. You'll be a people that I will reign over. You'll make me, Brother Branham said that with, with Moses and through Moses, they had a prophet king. Not that Moses was the king, but that God was the king through the prophet. He made them king. Because what the, what the king decrees, the people do. The king is their protector. And then the time came. Listen to them now. And they looked around and they saw other nations. They saw other people. They saw the prosperity. They saw the pomp and the glory of these other nations. They said, make us a king. What a tragic mistake. Make us a king. Do you remember some months ago? I spoke over this pulpit. The word is king. When people take and they want to start to adjust the word. You know what they're saying? Give us a king. Give us a king that kind of fits the modern trend. We've got, we've got, we've got questions we're not getting answered by this king. We've got things in our modern age that's not being answered by this king of past ages. And so make us another king. Let's adjust things. Let's arrange things differently. I tell you that our Lord, our word is king. And he has the answer for every situation. Absolutely the answer for every situation. And he wants to reign. And you'll be a kingdom of priests unto me. And if you'll follow my word and live by my covenants, not only will I become king, but you'll, you'll become exalted. And you'll become queen. You'll become, you'll sit in the throne with me. That's what the message is all about. You'll sit in the throne with me. You'll sit in my domain. Part of it. That's the only way it can happen. Uh, maybe those things sound beyond us. When God said, you'll be a kingdom. He wasn't just saying that I'll be king. But he wanted to exalt that nation also. Let me just speak about Moses for a moment. He said in the Smyrnian church age, God was the leader of the people. Actually. So he makes a statement, God was the leader of the people, but actually... He was their king. He was a father king. He took care of Israel like a man cares for his family. He fed them. He fought their battles. He smoothed away their difficulties and settled their problems. He just busied himself over them. You think he's changed? He's busied himself over you. I don't know if you can accept that. If you can acknowledge that. God was busy today. Busying himself over your affairs. You're his children. 
You're his family. He gave his life for you. He busied himself over them. They were the only nation to which he was truly God. Lots of nations. There's lots of denominations. But there's only one people who he busied himself over because through them he was identified and truly was God amongst them. All I can do is say it, friends. So all I can do is say it. You're the ones that have to believe it. You're the ones that have to accept it. He said, that, he said, and they were the only nation to which he was truly God. But one day, they got to looking around. One day, and they saw the Philistines and other nations with kings over them. It caught their eyes. And they decided that they ought to humanize their leadership. So they wanted a king. Now God was going to humanize the leadership himself in the person of the Lord Jesus. They just got ahead of him. They wanted a human, to humanize the king. They had a spirit king, a God king. They said, we want somebody we can touch. We want somebody we can handle. And they, they yearned for something that God was going to give them anyway. He was going to personalize or humanize his king in the person of Jesus Christ. And even when he did, oh my, the scripture tells of Jesus, and you've heard me say it before, and he went, and he was alone, and he went into the garden alone, even in his human form, he desired company, he needed that, that friendship, he needed that strength of those that knew him. You know, I just want to conclude for this evening. And I've seen families isolate themselves. They wither. I see individuals isolate themselves. They wither. They dry right up. I've never seen it ever, ever in all my years succeed. If people draw away. And become isolated. They wither. They dry up. Because why? It is opposed to God's program. When God brought you into the kingdom, he said you're many members, but you are one body. And you cannot deny that one body. If you do, then you're the one that suffers. You're the one that suffers, and that individual suffers. Or that family suffers. Oh, I've seen them, and they've, they've gone off spun off into some dark place but when they realize I'm a part of the of the body I've got some slides I'm just going to show you quickly they're scriptures we're going to read them you see listen now I hope you get this when we become if we should isolate ourselves listen now to my warning if we should isolate ourselves we're actually saying, we're opposing my text tonight. I said, uh, the inst- God instituted the congregation of Israel. But when God said, and it tied it up very, very clearly in my mind, when he had his man, had his own image, it's not good that he's alone. It's not good that Abraham's alone. I've got to, I, I, I've got to move this thing forward. I have to change its structure. 
It has to come into a family. It has to come into, and, and from that son has to come another son. And then has to come 12, 12 sons. Because they, not one of them can be separate. That even though Joseph was sold, he has to be brought back in. Because this has to be, out of here has to come a nation. And this nation has to evolve into something else, into something further. It has to be a special kind of a nation. It has to be a hated nation. And finally, I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them the congregation. At a certain point in time, when I'm going to deliver them, and they're going to come out under blood. Now you're not just a nation. You're going to be a congregation, and you're the congregation of Israel. Israel who prevailed because through you I'm going to be a testimony. Through you you're going to say the same thing. You're going to be hated all down through the generation and the Jewish people have been that. Why? Because they had to say it again and again and again and again. They had to be identified. Oh my! They've tried to be like other nations. It won't work. They can never be like another nation. They're as separate as they can be. They try to design their government. They try to have everything the same as other nations, but they're always different. Totally different. They get on an airplane, they're different. They go traveling. They go into other nations. They go here in the United States, and they become Wall Street Jews, but they're still different people. They're still different. They cannot escape that identity. Are you following me? Because they're different. If you're a believer, you can backslide, and I don't care if you backslide. I sure I care, but I mean, if you do, it's still, it, 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 you cannot change your identification. You'll be the most miserable human in a backslidden state because you're a child of God. And you can't change that identity. And what you did, you lost your, you lost your understanding that you were apart. And what you really said to God is, uh, it's good for man to be alone. Because by God making you a part of another, another one, he's saying, it's not good that I'm alone, and I've got to have this part. But in order for me to be complete, I've got to have another part with this part. And I've got to have that part, and this part, and that part. And, and the, all these parts must be together, because they must be in a body, because it's a body I had in my mind. Not just a whole group of loose-knit people in the church here and the church there. And this one's Bible way and that one's something else and this is something else. That isn't what God had in his mind. He had one body, many members, all working together, one a part of another. That's what God had in his mind. I hope I'm getting it across to you. And by when you realize that we're a part of one another, then you're really saying, it wasn't good that he's alone. Because I'm not only a part in order to make that up so he's not alone, but there has to be another part. You have to be a part. You have to be a part. You sisters, every, every one, every member must be a part. And when every part is complete, and the simple statement of a prophet, and the last one comes in, then he'll say, I have no more thought. Of being alone. The last one has been manifested on earth. I have no more thought of. Okay, come home, children. Come home. Won't it be something marvelous? We come together, and he out of whom we came is able to declare, I'm whole. 
I'm complete. I'm here now with my queen bride, the wife of the Lamb. Hallelujah. We were a Christian once, but that wasn't enough. We were, we were called out. That wasn't enough. We got into a church and said, praise God, I'm saved. I was down on all her. I wept on all her. That was wonderful, but that wasn't enough. And then we finally got a revelation. Oh, I'm part of a group of people. I'm a part of, a, of, a, of, a, of an entity. That's wonderful. Then fine. You say, by being a part of them, I'm a part of God. I'm saying something very, very profound. You can't be isolated and be a part of God. You've got to come back into your position of one body. One body. Otherwise, you've got to tear pages out of the Bible, and we daresn't do that. You've got to take words out of the Bible, and we can't do that. The Bible doesn't speak of just individual isolated members off and some satellite of their own. I'm not talking about this church of the people here. I'm talking about the overall, the whole overall. But it, what pertains to the body of Christ pertains to this body as well. This unit. We're just all we are is a unit of this overall body. Let me have those slides and we're going to close with this. One body. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office... So we being many, we have it up there. So we being many are one body. I'd like the congregation to read the second verse again. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Not everyone members. This isn't a membership. Everyone members one of another. You're part of the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person beside you, the people on the platform, the people across the church, the people up in the balcony. We're all part of one another. How do we fit? We don't know. We didn't make this body. He made the body. I don't know how this body works. How I know how that one works. I just went to a doctor yesterday. I said, you did? I sure did. I went to a doctor yesterday. I said, I don't understand what's happening. He said, what's happening? I said, I'm having some spells. Of, I don't know. I just feel all loose inside. I feel fluttery. I feel this. Uh, and I notice that I get real hungry right at that time. I have to go and eat something. He said, are you all right after you eat? I said, yeah, it goes away. Well, that's the solution. I got to keep eating. That's for sure. I told my wife today, I've, got, I've sure got to keep eating, that's for sure. I, I don't dare some get hungry. <laughs> Brother Gary raised his hand. He believes that doctrine. <laughs> I got a few others. <laughs> my goodness, I got more friends here than I realized. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, he said, uh, you're glucose intolerant. I said, what's that mean? Well, you're glucose intolerant, you know. He said, it's either this or it's that. Your thyroid's producing too much, you know, insulin or this or that or the other thing. And uh, uh, he said, do you eat much sugar? I eat a lot of honey, I said. How much do you eat? Oh, I said, several tablespoons, probably three tablespoons a day. He said, cut it in half. 
Well, that was a big sacrifice. <laughs> so my wife prepares breakfast this morning and there's no toast. There's nothing to put honey on. I said, you didn't make any toast. She said, you're supposed to cut it back. I said, just 50%. <laughs> just 50%. You generally give me two slices, at least give me one. I don't understand this body. And then we've got those that be, oh, we're experts on how the body of Christ works. We don't, you don't know how it works. But I can tell you one thing. You're a member of it. And you've got to be available. You have to be in a place where you can act and react and function one member to another. We're all members one for another. And I'm going to close right away. Let's read the next ones. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. That's how come we're one bread, one body, because we're partakers of one bread. Next one, please. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. If you were baptized by one spirit, I can tell you, you were not baptized into numerous bodies. You were baptized into one body. Every person baptized is baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And the next one. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body, if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? And but now hath God set, but now hath God set. Let's say that. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased me. As it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, if they were all one member, where's the body? And so we have a many-membered body. But now are they many members, but yet one body. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. That's it. You know why you're in this body? Because God didn't want to be alone. In order for him, that alone means separated from something. So he had to have this added, this added. He had to have the saints here in 2004, the saints in Cloverdale, Washington, Seattle, the saints in this area. Somehow, you know, I see it on the, big, on the big scale. I see it on the big stage. We had to interact somehow. We had to, we got brothers going over to, to China and to Russia and, and we're, we're, we're connected and there's, there's brothers, other brothers, other ministers and they may go to one part of the world, another to another part of the world and we hear about it. So when you hear a report or you hear... Now, what you will be hearing in the next couple of weeks, you'll be hearing about Vietnam, 
I asked right away. Oh. I said to Brother Timothy, I took Brother Ryerson up. Brother Timothy, here's a big map of Vietnam. Where were you? Oh, he said, we were up here in Hanoi. Remember when Hanoi was, you know, they were going to be bombed. A terrible war in Vietnam. A lot of boys, American boys, never came back. Buried over there in the soil. Burned with flames and warfare. I didn't rejoice over that, but I rejoice now. He could put his finger and say, here we had a big group, and I baptized 20 here. And then here's the ministers in a van, and we're teaching here. And I had a bunch of ministers, and we met about 100 ministers. I thought, oh, what I see right away, they're part of me. I may never see them, but they're part of me. And anything I can do for them, if we can send something over, if we can just help them get a message in their hand. And Brother Murphy, Brother Timothy, please keep on, just keep on. And he said, well, we have 147 messages now. Oh, keep on, keep on. Why? It's this part of the body. Wanting to reach out to another part of the body, saying, can I help you? You know, if I start to lift something with this hand, this may sound simple. If I start to lift something with this hand, I can't do it or I got an ache in my wrist or something. It, it doesn't have to beg, please, please, left hand, help me. It doesn't have to send any signals through my brain. I just grab it with the other hand and lift it up. And you know, your whole body, your legs, your knees, your toes all tense up because you're having to do something with your body. Every member is bent for the one purpose. One objective. And that's why we're here. Hallelujah. And no matter what part of the earth it's in, it's one body. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to baptize somebody just now. Why don't they go to be baptized? Why don't we stand? Would you do that? Just change your position. Our dear Lord, your word is so special. Your thoughts are so special. We're just seeking tonight to convey those things that you lay upon my own heart, Lord. And I trust that the Holy Spirit now will take them and just make it a reality to the people. Lord, I pray that you will bless, O oh God, the Word as it's meditated upon. And perhaps he'll open a message and hear a tape or open the Scriptures. And then that Scripture will just be the right place at the right time. Bless your people, Lord. Bless your children. Bless this family, O oh God. Bless the many-membered bride of Jesus Christ that's been united into a relationship of husband and wife. Oh God, I cannot grasp the depth of this oneness, but I'm seeking to know it, seeking to understand it. Pray you'll forgive our frailty, forgive our lack of understanding, and I pray that you will implant within us a great capacity to understand the mind and purpose of God. And Lord Jesus, that we might realize tonight as we leave here, we are connected. We are connected to one another. We are connected by the purpose of God. You in your divine purpose have taken each member, Lord, knowing what each one needs. 
and you have connected us and I thank you for that I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ Amen, Amen. Hallelujah